the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Larry. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone is turned away. They have together become corrupt. There's no one who does good, not even one. Will the evildoers never learn? Psalm 53. No, I will not bow down to the violence in the cities of America. I will not bow down to Black Lives Matter. I will not take a knee against against my God. I will not bow down and say, yes, I'll be politically correct. I need to be accepted only by the Lord Jesus Christ and those who walk with me in obedience to the commands of Jesus Christ. I will bow to Jesus and to Jesus alone. My heart is broken as I look at our nation and I know the violence that is exploding in our cities as even children and babies are shot and killed. I see the desperation as our jobs are gone. It was a plan of the enemy to close our nation down with COVID. If they just left it alone, it would have been no different than a normal flu season. But they shut it down. Can you imagine shutting down people's ability to make a living, to earn money, to pay rent and mortgage and car and food and live? They shut it down for a so-called pandemic. I'm astonished at their wickedness. And now, what are men and women supposed to do as they starve, as millions are out of work, as restaurants and stores collapse on themselves and are closed? What are they going to do? I don't bow to this foolishness in America. I don't bow to be politically correct. I don't bow to the Democrats or the Republicans. I don't bow to political parties. I bow down to Jesus Christ. I belong to the kingdom above. I'm a wayfarer. I'm a stranger in this land. But oh, my heart is aching for America. And the Lord is telling me it's going to get much, much worse. As we move toward September, October, November, our cities are going to burn. I warn you now, as a Joseph, prepare, set aside at least six months of food if possible, set aside water. Set aside 
means to protect yourself and your family. And if you can, flee the city now and move out. Sell your house. Get out of the city. The countryside will be much safer. We're going into a time of absolute collapse in this nation. Our economy is collapsing. We are so debt-ridden with no ability to pay it that there will be such economic turmoil. And Americans, yes, Americans are going to starve to death in the coming months. And the government will not be able to help. I will not bow down to the violent thugs. I will not bow down to a political party. I will not bow down to the idols of our nation. And I urge you, don't bow down. Don't be caught up in emotional conversations about racial issues. There's only one race, the human race. We are all brothers and sisters. And in Jesus Christ, we become a part of the family of God. In the family of God, we all have the same color skin. It's red, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' eyes, there's not a black or a white or a red, an Indian, an Asian. It's only his ability to see righteous or evil, sanctified or vile and wicked. When Jesus looks at you, what does he see? When you look at you, what do you see? Are you lukewarm, compromised, playing the game, bowing down to the world and its values and its teachings? Or have you said, no, I will not bow down. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm just traveling through this land. Oh, I love America. This nation for the lost and the dying. And I'm going to do that until the day Jesus says, it's time to come home. But oh, I'm not going to compromise with the foolishness of our age, the bitterness and the rage of our age. I'm not going to compromise with race. I'm not going to compromise with violence. It's wrong, it's sin, it's wicked, it's vile. I'm not going to compromise with people who burn down buildings, who attack the police. I'm not going to compromise with people who claim one race is better than another, whether it is white or black or Asian or Indian. I'm not going to compromise with that. I want nothing to do with it. It is filthy. It is vile before God. We've all been given an equal opportunity 
to hear the voice of the Lord and to turn from this vile wickedness in our cities and in our nation and get right with God. And if we're right with the Lord, we'll love every person. We'll weep over the lost and we'll rejoice with the saved. I pray that today there is such a firm resolution in your heart that says, I will not bow my knee to anyone but Jesus Christ. And I pray that you're prepared to sacrifice your life if necessary because you will not compromise and bow your knee to any man or any woman save that of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is time to make a decision. Which side are you going to be on? Are you going to be with the rabble? Or are you going to be with the righteous? Are you going to be with the devil and the vile evil of our day? Or are you going to be with Jesus Christ? There's a parable I want to share with you today. It's a terrible parable. It's terrifying. It's, it's frightening. Jesus spoke this parable almost at the end of his ministry. He is just a short time from going to the cross. And he's trying to say some things to us in warning. It's found in the 22nd chapter of Matthew. He's telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is not milk toast stuff. This is life and death. This is serious. This is God who has come down among us as a man. And now as he comes to the time of his atoning sacrifice, his crucifixion, he has some things he needs to say very quickly to us. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like, like a king who prepares a wedding banquet for his son. The father in the kingdom of heaven, has prepared a wedding banquet for Jesus, for his son. And he sent his servants out to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. We're his servants. He's told us to go out even now. That's why I'm on this radio broadcast at great personal expense draining away the very last energies of my life. That's why I'm here. I'm telling you to come to the banquet of Jesus, to stop bowing your knee to the culture of America, to stop bowing your knee to Black Lives Matter, to racial issues, to stop bowing your knee to white supremacy to stop bowing your knee to every idol of our age, to entertainment, to wickedness, to sexual impurity, to television. 
if you're still watching modern American sports, you're either dumb and ignorant or you've simply had your eyes closed and don't see what's happening in this nation. The politics of vile wickedness has entered into every area of academia. It's entered into every area of entertainment. Don't you see that? Turn it off. Tell those who've been invited, you are being invited right now or you have already been invited. Tell them I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted cattle have been butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. The wedding banquet banquet of God is now prepared, and he is sending out his messengers, and he's saying to you, it's time to come to the banquet. That's why I played that piece of music at the beginning where those faithful men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would not go to the banquet of the king of Babylon. They would not bow to his idol. But the scriptures say they paid no attention. And they went off, one to his field, another to his business. You can only go off to your to your fields and your business for so long, and then the Lord says, All right, you've rejected my invitation. Go your way. I will not call you again. You are rejected. And none of us know where that point with the Father is where he simply says to us, now you've gone too far and my mercy is withdrawn from you. Live your life out. Be as successful as you choose to be. But the invitation will not be given to you again. Don't play with God. Don't play with this invitation to separate yourself from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Don't reject this invitation to turn your back on the violence in the city. Don't reject this invitation to become a child of the living God, to come to the banquet feast where Jesus will be the, the guest of honor, the star, the son of the king. Then it says the rest of his servants mistreated the messengers and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murders and burned their city. You know, historically, it's a direct reference to what Titus did to Jerusalem in A.D. 70, where he came to the city that killed Jesus. And over a million Jews died. No Christians died. They heeded the word of Jesus Christ and they fled from the city. 
and so they were safe. But over a million Jews died because they had rejected the invitation. Please don't think that God is a pushover. Don't think that he will not execute judgment if you reject his patient and loving invitation to come to his banquet. He has called you. But then the king said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Why did they not deserve to come? Because they turned the invitation down. Go to the street corners. Invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. They were all welcomed into the king's presence. And then the king came in to visit with his guests. And as he's walking among the guests, he notices a man, a man who is not wearing the wedding garments that were provided. Revelation 19, the righteous acts of the saints. Here is a man who has no intention of being a part of what the king is doing. He he doesn't like the sun. He doesn't like the banquet, but he's willing to come and feast. He'll crash and he'll get every good thing he can. He'll have his steak. He'll have his dinner. But he plans to leave early. He's not going to stick around for the whole week. He just wants to come and and be with friends and have a good time. It's a wonderful social life. He might even make some business connections. He has not been made righteous. Theologically, he still walks in his sin. He's not interested in the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, the transformation, the crucifixion with Jesus, the new birth in Jesus. He's not interested in that. He just wants to enjoy. He's been told that the king is very gracious and very merciful. And he's welcome to come, even if he doesn't want to wear the wedding garment. Then the king says to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. All of the things he thought he might say as excuses suddenly fled away from him, and now suddenly he is face to face with the majestic king who has the power of life and death in his hands, who with one word can command the servants to take this man out and execute him. He was offered the wedding garment. Now, I love that the father says to this man, friend, he is again offering mercy. Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? Was there a mistake made? Did you not see where the wedding clothes were being supplied? Did they not offer you the wedding clothes? If he had answered, Oh, sir, I'm so sorry, but 
They didn't have any wedding clothes that were my size. The king would have said, Come on, I'll help you. I'll even give you one of my robes. But he had no excuse. He knew what God expected, that he would leave his wickedness, that he would leave the vile thoughts of his heart, the lust of his flesh. He knew it was wrong. He knew he didn't want those wedding clothes. Many in the church today want nothing to do with the wedding clothes. They just want to enjoy the social atmosphere and the business opportunities and the, and the sentimental sound of the music. But they're outside bowing to the idols. Is that you, mister? Is that you, missus? Are you shacked up living with somebody that you're not married to? Are you living in sin? Are you fornicating? Have you reserved bitter anger in your heart toward another person? Have you have you been consumed by your ambition for your idle money and you bow your knee to money? I know people whose whole life has been destroyed by their hunger to get to get rich. And so they bow their knee while calling themselves a Christian. They bow their knees to the idol. They don't have on any wedding clothes. But they're stoical. Oh, I'm going to make it through somehow. I'm just going to keep trying. I'll, I'll keep working. I'll make money. I'll get what I want in the... Oh, will you really? Your life is going to be demanded of you. Repent. Repent. We have a gracious Lord. Believe him. Trust him. Place your future in his hands. But the man is speechless. He knows he has no excuse. And the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, execute this man. He has bowed his knee to the devil. He has bowed his knee to his ambition. He has rejected my kind offer. He does not belong in this place. Take him out and execute him. Verse 14, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited. You have been invited, but have you laid your life down for Jesus Christ? Have you been born from above and have become a new creature who no longer walks in disobedience and sin before the Almighty? Are you regenerate? Have you been made into a new man, a new woman? Are you utterly committed to bowing your knee only to Jesus Christ? Or are you still bowing your knee to the idols of our age, to success, to easy believism, to the lies of the modern church that you can be saved in the midst of your sin? 
Have you bowed your knee to the idols of our age? Psalm 51. David has committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he has murdered her husband. And he's gotten away with it because he's the king. But when he's confronted by Nathan the prophet, he begins to confess. And he fears for his life. And he prays this 51st Psalm. Have mercy on me, O God. Literally, in the Hebrew, it is moan over me, God. See my desperate wickedness and, and moan in anguish over me, O God. According to your unfailing love, that is, moan over me, God, in your disposition to do something kind for me, something to restore me. Don't destroy me, O God. According to your great compassion, that is according to your tender pity. When a man begins or a woman begins to confess their, their sin before God, God comes and begins to moan over you. His heart is so moved with compassion for you. He wants to do something wonderful for you, supernatural for you. David said, Wash away all of my iniquity. Literally put me in a tub with soap and water and get in with your feet and just stomp on me. That's how they washed clothes in that day. Do whatever you have to do with my life, but Lord, cleanse me from my sin. Wash me, O oh God. Is that the cry of your heart? For which of us has not bowed down to the idols of our age? I have. I've bowed down at the idol of ambition and pride, anger. I've bowed down at the unclean idols. And I have cried out to God, O oh God, have mercy upon me according to your disposition to do something wonderful, to change me with tender pity, change me, transform me, forgive my sins, wash me, scrub me clean. Verse 3, for I acknowledge, I acknowledge my sin. Until you're willing to acknowledge your sin before a holy God, you can never have the wedding garments on. You can go to the banquet. You can become a church member. You can even preach the gospel. 
But until you begin to acknowledge your sin and take responsibility for who you are and what you've been and what you've done, you cannot have the white garments of salvation. He says, my sin is always before me. I know right now, some of you have your sin before you. It's been eating away at you, but your pride has prevented you from repenting. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Sin is not some emotional action. It is a real action. Sin is what we do in rebellion against the Most High God. You see the sin in our cities, in their vile wickedness. You see the sin in the violence, in the murder, in the robbing, in the burning, in the smashing of of police cars and other cars. You see the utter wickedness of men's hearts exposed publicly. Now, they didn't just become that one day. They have been growing in their bitterness, in their anger, in their vile wickedness. And now it explodes out into the culture. David says, I've done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and you're justified when you judge me. can tell you now we are almost at that day when you will face the judgment bar of God some of you may face that judgment today as you are swept out of this life by a bullet or by a heart attack or by cancer Some of you may be swept out of this life today. How will you stand before a holy God? And when he asks you, why do you not have wedding garments on? You will be speechless before him because you have heard very clearly the call of the gospel and you have compromised it with your wickedness. Cleanse me with hyssop. and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. I've cried that before the Lord God of heaven. I've prayed that. You see, my real interest is not what is going to happen in September, October, November. I already know. Cities are going to burn. People are going to be murdered. Finances are going to be collapsing even as they are now. Gold prices will be going up. Fiat currency will be losing its value. People will be losing their pensions. Stores will be going bankrupt. 
We're not going back to normal, brother, sister. We're entering into a time of judgment against this nation. We have we have sinned against the Lord in America and we are now going to have to face the judgment. That's why David cried out to the Lord, Create in me a pure heart, O God. You see, I can't go get a pure heart. I can't make my heart pure. My heart, the human heart, cannot be made pure before a holy God. It is a supernatural work of God to give us pure hearts, to remove all sin, to transform us into his likeness. It's a work of God to put on that white garment. It's the work of God to give us a new heart and a new spirit. But to receive that, we must come humbly before Almighty God, and we must plead with Him to create in me a clean heart, as the importunate widow I spoke of yesterday, where I come and I have nothing to give. I have no merit to share. All I have is my great need before a righteous and holy God. And I confess my sins before him. And I turn from them. And I allow him to do that supernatural work of giving me a new birth. Birth not of the human heart. But birthed out of the holiness of a mighty God. A pure heart comes only from the heart of God. For he's the only one with a pure heart. And you must have that pure heart if you're going to eat at the banquet. Without the pure heart, you'll be cast out. You'll be executed. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is Holy Spirit work. I can't renew a steadfast spirit within myself. This is something that comes as I weep before the mighty God of heaven and I confess my sin and I repent and I plead for his mercy and I praise him for his kindness. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Are you afraid God will cast you from his presence? Do you plead that he would not take the Holy Spirit from you and turn you over to the lust of your heart, to the wickedness of our day? Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. The Lord has restored to me the joy of my salvation. He has granted me a willing spirit to do his work, to come to this broadcast, to speak to you very frankly, to not 
to not play games, to not try to please you, but to please Jesus and to call you to repent, to call you to grow up in Jesus. He then prays, Save me from blood guilt, O God. He's praying, Save me from the blood guilt. Bathsheba's husband Uriah he had him murdered we too must plead with God to save us from our blood guilt for we have not stood in America against abortion as a nation and the blood of millions of babies are on our hands We must pray that this evil can be stopped. That the murder and trafficking of children in America would be stopped. It is God who saves us. It is God who must save the children. We must cry out to God for the children. America is being judged. As one person said, You thought you could have your churches. Said the Lord, said, I'll shut them down. You thought you could have your money, so I shut the economy down. You thought you could go and Exercise, so I closed the clubs down. You thought you could have your own life, so I shut it all down. You're on time out. Now, wicked men did it. Wicked women did it. But God allowed it. We have to cry out to God. Oh Lord, open my lips. Open my lips that I could declare your praise. That I could worship you. That I could pray and intercede and cry aloud for America. For God loves America. God loves President Trump. God even loves Mr. Schumer. God even loves Nancy Pelosi. God loves those who are evil until their cup is full and he withdraws his mercy and he withdraws his grace. And no man knows when that cup is full. And then it's over. And we face the judgment. Verse 17 is where I've camped out. 
the sacrifices of God. Our broken spirit in the Greek, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew, it means to reduce to splinters. It means to cause to burst a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Contrite in the Hebrew means to beat out thin, to beat out thin. The Lord wants a sacrifice from you today of a broken spirit. Isaiah 66, 2b says, This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. A broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. You will not despise. So what is your situation today? You've been invited to the banquet of the king. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been invited to leave your sin, to humble your heart before Almighty God, to plead with Him to have mercy upon you, to blot out your transgressions, to wash you and cleanse you and make you clean. You know what your transgressions are, you know how you have bowed the knee to the idols. You know that many are called, but few are chosen. That's literally true. You all have been called, but have you been chosen? Only if you have... Only if you have asked the Lord to blot out your transgressions, to wash you, to cleanse you from all sin... It's against Jesus that we've sinned. It's personal. It's personal for Jesus. He died for you. You were sinful at your birth. You were given to darkness. But God desires truth in the inner parts. And you must decide. Will you continue to bow at the idols of our culture? Many of you who are listening call yourselves Christians. But have you compromised with darkness? Are you washed and clean by the blood? Do you know what your standing is before Almighty God? Don't tell me that you're able to continue walking in your sin and 
and you're still saved. First John, the third chapter, is very clear that that can't be possible. That if you're still walking in your wickedness and you're still bowing the knee to the culture, if you're still buying into the finances of the culture, if you're still buying into the pleasure of the day, if you're still living your life as though you're going to live this way forever, you're utterly deceived. God is not going to allow it. We're coming into a time of starvation, a time of desperation, a time of testing. We're coming into a time of great judgment of God upon America. America will be destroyed, will be burned. Will you be burned with it? Will you be destroyed with America because you lust after the things of the flesh? Or are you willing to humble your heart to acknowledge your sin, to take responsibility for how you've lived before Almighty God? Are you willing to repent? And if you're willing to repent and you do so, are you willing to teach others how to leave their sin and how to be transformed? Are you willing to even cause people to be angry with you by sharing with them and calling and insisting that they come to the wedding banquet? You see, I'm responsible before God. If I don't speak so abruptly with you, if I don't speak so forthrightly with you, if you leave this time as you listen to this broadcast and you think, oh, Pastor Gradley's great, he's got a nice message, but you fail to repent of your cynicism and your wickedness, then I've not done my job. My dad was a lay pastor, and he used to say to me, Raymond, when you grow up and you preach, you either make them mad or you convert them. Whoa. But I was a pleaser at heart, and so for many years I just tried to please people as I preached a pleasant message, a gospel that my dad totally disagreed with until finally God got a hold of me and he said, No, preach the straight gospel. Stop bowing your knee. Stop bowing your knee to success or fame or money or pleasure or sports, or any kind of entertainment. Stop bowing your knee to entertainment. No entertainment is holy. It's all unholy. There's recreation where we're recreated in the image of Christ as we participate in it because it's not evil. My brother, my sister, What are you going to do? You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I've been praying for you. I've been crying out to God for you. And tomorrow is Friday and it will be a day of prayer and you are welcome to call and pray with me on air live. 
What are you going to do? Either repent or follow and bow your knee to the vile wickedness of our day. Don't be in between. Do one or the other. And if you're going to step forward, then step forward and help me teach transgressors the ways of God. And you teach transgressors the way of holiness and the way of God. There's not time for compromise. Now I ask, please, I need to hear from many of you who have the ability to sustain us on the radio. If your heart is moved and you want to be a part of what God is doing in preaching holiness with mercy, judgment with mercy, would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to Pilgrim's Progress on the internet and you'll find the videos on the YouTube. You can also go to nationalprayerchapel.com and you can give online. I love you, my brother, my sister. I pray you repent or you teach the unrighteous the way of the gospel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.